You're listening to 7 Points of Satisfaction in Buying HR Technology. Supported by the HR Gazette and Hive Tech HR. And now your host, Jeremy Ames. Hello and welcome. Uh, we are in, uh, as part of the 7 Point of Satisfaction in Buying HR Technology, we're going to be talking about training today. Um, so how does training fit in the overall buying process? Uh, what kind of considerations should the buyer be making when they're looking at the training that their uh, prospective vendor offers? And also try to tie it into some of the other topics that we've already covered uh, as, as part of the course of this whole series. Um, my name is Jeremy Ames. I'm with Hive Tech HR. And today I'm joined uh, by special guest Deborah O'Connell. Uh, Deborah is the Director of Global Education and Development uh, at Kronos. So, Deborah, um, can you say hi to the, our audience? Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Great. Um, so, as I've done in, on other sessions, I'm going to kind of just show where this fits into the overall uh, process of the, of the things that we're considering. So, we've talked about the product, we've talked about the sales process, um, gone through some negotiation. Uh, we've even dove into implementation. Um, now we're going into the training and, and how that fits into the overall process. Um, and then future episodes will include support and adoption. So specifically, how does training fit into the overall process? When, when should you as a buyer be concerned about training? Is it upon the signature of your contract? Um, are you already supposed, should you be considering these kind of things beforehand? Um, when does the training actually happen? Is it as the implementation ramps up, um, before you go into any kind of discovery process? Could it be before you test, before go live? Or is it something that happens over the course of the whole process? Uh, I myself have seen it fit into different uh, positions within the overall process, uh, each of them having its different levels of success and, and challenges. So, Deborah, I'm curious from your perspective, what have you seen uh, in your experience as far as where it, where it best makes sense? I definitely uh, agree that it should be all of the above because you have so many different roles involved in the rollout of um, a software implementation, especially uh, one as critical as this to the, to the overall business. And so you want to make sure that the training's positioned, you're thinking through um, how you're going to roll out this training, how you're going to implement this training uh, for the software throughout the whole process. Uh, because the whole reason you're choosing and implementing the software is to have an impact on your business. And it's not going to have an impact on your business unless you've got people using it the right way and they know the potential of the software and how to use it and how to best use it to do their jobs. Um, so you really want to be thinking when you're signing the contract, um, who's going to be involved in implementing it? What training are they going to need? How are we going to test it? Um, are there going to be different people who are going to be involved in testing than are involved in the project team? And then when you roll it out to your uh, administrators, your managers, your employees, uh, what's the best way that they're going to learn this software? So that should all be kind of discussed and thought about as you're going through uh, kind of the purchase process and the implementation process so that you're getting the most out of your investment in the software. That's great. I mean, it also points to the fact that it, it should not just be an afterthought, you know, and similar to support some of the other, you know, things that we think of as not necessarily being core to the buying process. If you only think about those after you've signed the contract, you're most likely going to find out some stuff that you didn't necessarily want to find out after the fact. Right. So absolutely great points. And then, so what do you consider to be the role of the software itself? I know uh, in a prior session that, you know, I talked with, 
uh, with somebody at Ultimate Software about the, the product itself and how that fits into the buying process. Well, the, the product itself also affects how much training you need, the type of training uh, you might need. So whether the software is intuitive, if uh, that might determine whether you need to have really intensive training. Um, if it's, if, for example, if it's not, is the UI or the, the uh, user experience consistent across the whole um, product suite or does it vary by module, by functionality? And then is there already some level of embedded or contextual learning in the product that means that you can maybe not do as much on the detail or, or working on processes uh, and kind of let the, the product guide you and then maybe train on some other aspects of the product. So what have you seen uh, at Kronos in terms of how that works and, and how, have you, how has it worked specifically in your experience? Sure. Uh, well, product management at Kronos is really in tune with uh, the needs of the users and have invested a lot in UX design and UI design, really working with uh, customers to try to design our products so that they are as intuitive as possible. And I know a lot of vendors today are doing the same thing, you know, really trying to make it as intuitive as possible for uh, those users. And you know how intuitive it is is really going to depend on the role and how critical the tasks they perform in the software are to the functioning of the business. So if you have an employee performing tasks in the, in the system, those are more likely going to be simpler tasks that are more intuitive that are uh, tend to be kind of standalone tasks. It might be easier for them to get by with um, a, a simpler training or um, just something that they can rely a little bit more on the software to be intuitive for those small tasks. You get into the manager and administrator roles, um, they might have more complex needs or com complex tasks they have to perform that aren't just standalone tasks. They're kind of part of a whole process that goes into running the business, whether it's hiring employees or scheduling according to um, any kind of workload uh, or anything like that. The more complex it's going to be, um, the more um, the software being intuitive really helps, but the people are going to need that guidance um, for from additional training and they're going to want to make sure they're doing it right and they're doing it um, the way the vendor has um, envisioned to make it uh, implement best practices to make sure that they're getting the most out of the software. That's where I see uh, more of the need for training. As intuitive as the software is, the more complex the task and the more critical it is to the business, um, customers are going to want to make sure they do have trained users who know how to make the most of that software. Right. I mean, you brought up a great point, which is the variability and what you need to train on. So, you know, somebody changing their demographic information like an employee is very different than an administrator who maybe has to set up a whole new benefit plan or you exactly. know, the open enrollment process or set up a new performance uh, review um, review plan for that particular year. So, you know, it's definitely have different requirements on that end. Mm -hmm. um, this is a, an interesting one because it's also your you're dealing with the buying process. We've done some, some negotiation, uh, negotiation, sorry. Um, so how much should training cost? I know from my perspective, I, I work with enough software vendors that I know there's a huge range of how this is handled. Right. Uh, one particular vendor offers free training uh, and they just, you know, they don't necessarily think that that's, that's something that should be paid for by customers, but that's kind of the anomaly. Whereas most vendors do, do tend to charge for it, uh, whether they consider it a profit center or whether it's just something that, um, you know, they're looking to maybe just cover their costs kind of thing uh, on the training to make sure that they're enabling their, their client base. 
Um, and then, you know, whether that's, that's just something that gets covered as part of the implementation costs and then ongoing, you pay for, you know, kind of the one-off training courses or even some maybe more personalized on-site training. I mean, there's a lot that a lot, there's a lot of decisions and things that go into this that maybe people don't, when they're buying software, they don't consider that particular cost. So from your perspective, you know, should, should vendors charge, you know, if so, how should that work and, and how much should the buyer be thinking about this during the buying process? Sure. It's a, it's a great question. And I know, um, so, and software vendors, they, we really want our customers to be as successful as possible uh, while also running a business at the same time. So it's, it's a, it's a hard balance sometimes to try to um, achieve, but that's why I kind of go back to what we said at the beginning of the importance of thinking of training from the beginning of the kind of contract process or kind of um, signing on with the vendor. You really want to be thinking about how much you're investing in this, uh, this software. There is many vendors do have some level of free training uh, and then you can kind of pay um, on top of that for different options, depending on whether it's, you know, are you paying for, um, more instructor-led, a more instructor-led experience as opposed to a self-paced experience. Mm-hmm. Are you paying for kind of a more customized learning experience? And I think it really depends a lot on um, the size of your organization, the different roles that are going to be involved, um, the kind of the level of um, comfort that people have using these programs, whether they're going from, are they already using a system um, that they're used to, or are they going from kind of something that's more manual to something that's more automated? Um, All of those factors kind of go into how complex your um, training might be based on your implementation. So you kind of have to factor all of those pieces in. Do you have an audience or certain audiences that really are going to be okay using kind of more uh, more generic self-paced learning experience or should it be much more tailored um, to your actual business processes and um, should it be instructor-led? Does it need to be on cycle? Uh, all of those things really should be adapted to the needs of your uh, business as well as your budget and discussed with your vendor so that they can come up with the best plan possible uh, to help you achieve that common goal of, of user adoption and making sure you're successful actually using the software that you're purchasing. Yeah. I think a a lot of it has to do with kind of the, the disclosure that the vendor has throughout the process. You know, when we talked about negotiation in a prior episode, the whole like surprises at the end, you you don't want to necessarily find out that, you know, there's this cost that you didn't know about that, you know, then bumps, bumps you up above and beyond what you had budgeted for the overall project, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We've talked a little bit about this to this point, but the whole concept of dealing with different learning styles uh, and then just overall differences with the the base of employees or managers that are learning the software. So, you know, in today's world of training, it's it's moved quite a bit beyond just everything being all instructor-based. You're in a classroom, um, you're, you're listening to somebody who's standing at a PowerPoint or whatever. There's, there's now a lot more visual tools, a lot more auditory or aural uh, tools, and even, even beyond that. So, uh, and then there's also the concept of factoring in uh, any potential learning disabilities into the training. The bottom line is, and I, I wrote a little bit about this for Sherm, is that you're really your goal should be adding as much color to your training as possible to also factor in the fact, also factor in that we have, limited attention spans and even limited time to allocate to this, to this stuff uh, with, with the kind of the way that the human element has kind of changed over time. So what's been your experience and how has Kronos kind of adapted 
uh, in this way? And, and what do you see kind of as the future of this aspect? Uh, sure. The um, kind of the trajectory or, or path that you described really uh, maps to what Kronos has experienced as well. You know, when I first started at Kronos, we were really focused on um, in-person instructor-led training training kind of much longer sessions kind of on, you know, on site, you know, people flew to, to go to training sessions and uh, to different training centers. And now we've really um, focused a lot more on uh, mixing in a lot more self-paced content, um, a lot of e-learning and our instructor led is most often virtual. Um, and those tools have really grown and evolved. Um, and so has people's kind of comfort with those tools, um, seeing how much you can actually learn and experience in that virtual classroom without having to travel, you know, being in your, um, at your desk and still being able to accomplish other things during the workday. Um, so we've seen a lot, a shift to virtual classroom instead of in person. We do still have some on-site training at um, kind of private events at, at customer sites that they uh, sometimes choose to do, but a lot more virtual, a lot more self-paced, trying to move to much more um, kind of briefer instructor-led sessions so that you're not having kind of week-long trainings except for the much more administrative roles. Um, so really trying to, again, make it virtual, make it shorter uh, for our e-learning, uh, really trying to, as you say, account for these different learning styles. You know, sometimes we'll have um, videos, sometimes you'll have more hands-on, sometimes you'll have something that you can watch. With the self-paced pieces, it can be really helpful to have um, you don't necessarily have to go with the pace of the instructor. You can go at your own pace and say, you know what, if I watch this, you know, four different times in order to get it, um, I'm not holding anybody else up in the classroom. Um, so you can have that self-paced content either as to learn uh, new content or to um, kind of refresh content that you already know. So trying to take into account all of those those different pieces will offer the same uh, type of role, multiple different options for training so that they can um, have an option for, for learning their skills. Yeah, those are, those are all great points. Um, I'm wondering if from a gamification standpoint, I mean, you talk about trying to keep the attention span of your, of your learners. Like, have you, have you had to go that road, you know, adding in potentially some level of like, uh, quizzes or surveys as they're going through the training or is that is that taking things a little too far from from what you've seen in the hr tech uh training space well we've seen um in our e-learning uh, we do have kind of knowledge checks and checks for understanding and, and you know some assessments uh, online so we do include that sometimes uh, for the for the knowledge checks and kind of interactions that's to keep people engaged while they're going through the training um for the assessment we have some assessments that um corporations want to have so that they can have some kind of um, proof that, or not necessarily proof, but um, a um, kind of a standard that their employees have to pass to make sure that they've gained a certain level of understanding with the, um, with the software. So we have some of that. We haven't gone full-blown gamification uh, with kind of badges and, and points and things like that. It's something we're um, examining to kind of see um, how, what kind of demand there is uh, for it. Uh, we have at Kronos just implemented, can totally revamped our community experience um, that, that um, we have people who are kind of high contributors to the community um, kind of get points there. Uh, so we're experimenting with that to kind of see what the demand is and to see if that's something people react to and are really looking for uh, in our space.
Uh, Jeremy, I'm not hearing your audio. Oh, sorry. How's Here that? you are. Hey. Uh, as far as the customization of the training, um, we go through this a lot in the implementation work that we do where there's an expectation almost from the client that it's not going to be just that canned uh, you know, training that everyone experiences, that things that we've changed, new fields we've added uh, in the system are also going to be shown, you know, and you're going to show them how that fits into the overall processes. So uh, what do you think as far as the vendor's responsibility to do that uh, and whether there's an actual impact on the understanding of a system if it's not done, for example. Sure, and that goes back to what we were kind of talking about around success and adoption of the of the system. Um, I think that it's um, it's a great idea for vendors to offer this option to customers because uh, different companies, uh, customers who are buying your your services can range in size. You know, some customers are really small and and don't necessarily have a training department or people who have expertise in delivering training. Others are really large and, and you know, have got it down pat. They've got uh, their way of doing things, their templates. They know how they want to um, provide the training. So I think having a range of services can really help uh, customers um, know how to adapt or adopt your software. And so, at, for example, at Kronos, we offer a range of of services from kind of selling editable content uh, that customers can use to then adapt and create their own training. Uh, we can we can sell consulting around if they are con um, conducting or creating their own training. We can advise them on kind of flow and, and how to do it. Um, a wide range of services, all the way through to us customizing the training for them uh, to adapt to their their roles. And again, that goes back to the roles discussion that we were having. Typically, say the admin audience is going to be fine with um, kind of with their configuration training, having that be more standardized training, and customers focus their customized training on those end user roles, the managers and the employees um, who are going to be kind of getting into the system, who might not be able to adapt as easily to from generic training to what they're seeing in their software. They want it geared to and adapted to their look and feel, their business process, that type of thing. So um, I think that when a vendor can offer those range of services uh, from the actual materials that the customers can use to that consulting expertise, providing that kind of best practices to uh, best practice knowledge to the customers on how to best go about rolling that out um, can help the customer be as successful as possible. Yeah. I think empowering the customer is a big part of this, especially when it comes to the training that the, for example, that the HR team might be doing for the employee base, where if they get involved in the process of, of even, even creating manuals or creating some of that training, they're going to, it's a train the trainer approach where they're going to understand the product even better and be able to answer those kind of questions, you know, rather than having the employee have to go back to, for example, the, the vendor's support group to ask the most basic question about how the product works. Yeah. You know? Or to yep. mess, thing, mess things up even even more so. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of best practices and even the, the topic of certification, uh, what have you seen that works and doesn't? Um, does the metric does 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 Kronos, for example, have metrics on on the impact of training on adoption of the software and whether you know if training is done poorly, uh, it ends up where the the customer might end up leaving the software. That's that's obviously a big concern of the vendors. Um, and then the, on the topic of certification. Uh, I've seen different situations. Some vendors don't even bother with it. They don't see the value. Others, they do offer some sort of certification as it relates to training, especially for the core users. But then if you go that route, you could end up 
you know, it provides a skill set to the employee that they could t- potentially, you know, use elsewhere. So there's a, a bit of a concern there. So uh, I know I brought up a lot of topics here, but maybe if you want to uh, try to tackle one of those or a few of them, that'd be great. Yes. Uh, so we at uh, Kronos, we focus more on uh, around best practices rather than actual certification. Um, so we have kind of whether it's through our, our services team or educational services, really trying to consult with customers around what those best practices are um, so that they make sure that they are successful. We also have our customer community where customers can kind of count on each other to get that kind of best practice uh, knowledge to really um, have that um, kind of it takes a village approach to kind of see what throwing out um, we might have specific best practices to recommend, but then our customers can help each other with um, kind of situations uh, that uh, might be unique to a specific uh, vertical or a specific size customer, a specific geography. And we can all kind of pitch in and help with that. Um, and we have found, I don't have um, this kind of specific metrics in front of me, but the, the more training that is offered, the better educated customers are on how to use the software, the more successful they're going to be. They're going to not just use it for the um, basic features and functionality, but kind of taking that uh, learning approach that it's not just one big bang of training uh, when the software rolls out. You know, the having that, what is the ongoing training plan when you have rollover of your uh, turnover of your users um, in your organization, how are they going to learn the software? Once they've um, started learning the basics of the software, how can you then take your value of the software to the next level and learn more about how to um, get even uh, more benefits out of the software? And that's where ongoing training comes in. Um, That's where we see that customers tend to think about just the, that kind of rollout training and how to get it initially rolled out to the users, but helping them see how are they going to address that, that ongoing need to continue to get that ROI out of your software and kind of gain that um, additional expertise and that um, additional benefit from the software um, that, they, that they might not think of when they're first trying to get the software rolled out. Um, and so for um, we do not provide a specific certification uh, for customers, for say administrators of the, administrators of the software, but uh, we do have um, online tests that com- customers can use at the manager level to kind of um, show that customers have that their employees and managers have gained that expertise uh, that they need uh, in order to be proficient in the software. So not all customers take advantage of that, but it is there for their manager audience if they need it. Great. I love the point about kind of succession planning as it relates to training. And that kind of goes back to the point I'd made about training the trainer. So that way uh, it's not just up to, up to Kronos itself to do this. It's kind of something that the client owns, you know? Um, And then even you talked about a little bit about, about uh, like customization and whether or not, like you mentioned verticals, right? So especially Kronos, yeah. for example, there's going to be a lot of, this is some heavy duty stuff, especially when you start getting into the timekeeping piece, um, that's going to be, you know, very different from customer to customer. So making sure that they're trained not only on how the system works overall, but in that specific environment, that specific, you know, either retail or, or healthcare environment, it's going to be very different, right? So. Yes, exactly. Awesome. We, uh, that takes us to the, the uh, dealer's choice part of the conversation. Um, so do you have any, any choice as far as the seventh and maybe even the holy grail of, uh, of training and what's most important? Sure. Uh, the thing that comes to mind for me is kind of making sure that, um, that customers are focused not just on product training, but on overall change management and on 
user adoption. Um, what uh, sometimes you see um, customers really focused on just how are we going to get people to learn the tasks in the system and how to kind of um, use the, do the keystrokes and kind of the mouse functions to get the software to work, mm -hmm. uh, but not necessarily fully taking into account um, how big a change this might be for users and what they might be, how they might be feeling about it or what kind of communication or buy-in do they have um, and why, why should I be using this software? Why is, the, is this being implemented? And um, to provide that kind of overall change management approach for their users and to put that product training into context, um, that is something that um, Kronos and, and other vendors do um, offer as well, really trying to help customers with those best practices around, you know, who should be communicating this out to your users? What is your communication plan? When should they first learn about this software change? You know, it shouldn't be the day before they have to go to training. They should know that it's coming and why and why it's important and why the corporation is investing in it. Kind of getting that buy-in, getting that excitement going, um, as much as possible so that the they know why they're going to take this training and why it's important to the company. Um, and putting it into that context can really help um, increase user adoption so that they're not just focused on that actual product training itself, but the overall kind of why and the benefits and that whole change management piece. Uh, that should be um, critically considered as well. Great. I mean, that's that's also an, an amazing representation, kind of this overall series that that we're doing here, because it's you know product. Everyone thinks of buying. You're buying a product, right? Right. Right. We're talking about seven points of of potential success or failure in buying HR Tech, and 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 the product is only one of those, right? Yes. Training is its own its own being, just like as you're saying, uh, when when you're learning the product, the product itself is and, and you're going to try to use and adopt a product the product is only a component of it you need the all the other pieces you know you need the change management you need people to to know the value and, and what they're going to be getting out of it so that's a really great point and that brings us to the end of our session today um i think today was a great one i'm, I'm excited to, to uh see this out there on the ecosystem i'm so glad you could join me today me too uh, here's your, I placed uh, Deborah's contact information out there in case anybody uh, wants to ask her a question or any follow-up to today's discussion. Uh, my contact information, including Twitter handle, is out there. Uh, and again, as I always say at the end of these, please be sure to check out our prior episodes and stay tuned for the remainder of the series. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to 7 Points of Satisfaction in Buying HR Technology. Subscribe on iTunes and learn more at hrgazette.com.